Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia for this Tuesday, January 24th in Hong Kong, Monday, January 23rd in New York. And coming up this hour, U.S. equities jump led by tech shares as the market looks ahead to key earnings from the sector. Microsoft is investing $10 billion in open AI. And Spotify is planning to cut about 6% of its workforce. U.S. to increase pressure on China to stop importing Iranian oil. Parts of China get record cold. New calls for gun reform after the killing of 11 Lunar New Year's Eve revelers in California. I'm Ed Baxter with Global News. Two more American men advance to the quarterfinals of the Australian Open. I'm Dan Schwartzman. I'll have that story and more coming up in Bloomberg Sports. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. On Bloomberg 1130 New York, Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 1061 Boston, Bloomberg 960 San Francisco, Sirius XM 119, and around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Good morning. I'm Doug Krisner. And I'm Brian Curtis. Here are the stories we're following today. So we've had some gains on the S&P 500, Doug, and it's it's been 4% year to date. Doesn't sound like a lot, but it's part of a 12% move off the October low. And so it's definitely getting the attention of people, as you mentioned, closing above 4,000 for the first time in a month. And I was just having a look at the 200-day moving average. We're about 1.5% above the 200-day. So I mentioned uh, Microsoft up 2% today, and we had some big news when it came to a $10 billion investment in open AI, right? Yeah. Yeah. That, now, that's something that was tipped early, and we had that, but this is c- confirmed now. And it really is a big push to take on, for sure, Google and others as well, like Meta. We also have in the news today, Elon Musk, he was back in court today defending the famous tweet about taking Tesla private. Now, the shareholder suing, suing Musk are contending these tweets were lies and they resulted in big losses due to some wild swings in Tesla shares over about 10 days back in 2018. That was before this plan was abandoned. Well, today, Mr. Musk told a jury private funding had been secured and the Saudi Public Investment Fund was unequivocal in its support for this transaction. Mr. Musk also said he could have sold shares in SpaceX. Well, the lawyer for the shareholders was focused on showing that Mr. Musk's tweets were premature and very little legwork was done. Musk argued that the actual language of that tweet, considering taking Tesla private, was not the same thing as saying the deal will be done. 
Certainly, Mr. Musk is no stranger to courtroom battles. He has been nicknamed Teflon Elon for his ability to escape unscathed. All right, let's circle back to Microsoft. We do have Michael Cagino coming up, and we'll get to that and we'll get a news update as well. A few more details here on Microsoft saying that it is investing $10 billion in open AI over multiple years. It's being done to help the company expand its artificial intelligence business and compete with companies like Alphabet and Amazon, which we alluded to earlier. OpenAI's AI tool ChatGPT will give a boost to Microsoft's Azure cloud service. ChatGPT is an AI chat bot that has been trained and designed to hold natural conversations. Microsoft said it plans to use OpenAI's models through, uh, throughout consumer and corporate products and will also release new categories of products based on OpenAI's work. All right, the time is coming up on six minutes past the hour. Ed Baxter has global news from the 960 Newsroom. Ed? Yeah, you're right, Brian. Uh, Biden administration's top Iran envoy says the U.S. will increase pressure to cease the imports of Iranian oil. Envoy Robert Malley on Bloomberg's Balance of Power says the U.S. is stepping up actions to enforce nuclear sanctions right now. You know, the conversation we've had with the Chinese now, which go back several months, but they're going to be intensified. As you know, we're going to have more contacts with with, uh, the, the Chinese government, and we'll make sure that they understand why it is so important for us to make sure that Iran cannot continue to export its oil. He says sanctions can never be enforced perfectly, of course, but the U.S. will do everything in its power to help China understand the importance of doing so. With six more classified documents found at President Joe Biden's home in Wilmington over the weekend, Bloomberg's Anne-Marie Hordern says the uh, latest batch is, well, it's a little different than the others. Not just his time as vice president, but also uh, what we've learned from the lawyers is time at the Senate, obviously. This is going to be uh, a huge headache. It's just growing, really, for the White House. Anne-Marie says the White House attack remains comparing the way it is providing the documents and released information to the way that Donald Trump did. Now, Bloomberg's Rick Davis says that should not be the focus. He needs to explain to the American people that uh, he's made a mistake here. Clearly, he should not be in possession of these documents. He's lost the high ground to Donald Trump, so they shouldn't even be thinking about that at this point. It's really all about how to maintain the legitimacy of the Biden presidency. Meanwhile, Bloomberg's Jeannie Sanzano says Biden Chief of Staff Ron Klain's announced departure should not come as a surprise. It seems like a natural time for him to step down because, of course, as Republicans take over the House, the shift in focus from the White House vis-a-vis Congress has changed a good deal. And the administration has announced that Jeff Zients, former head of the COVID response team, will step in as Chief of Staff now. Parts of China are experiencing records, record lows they've never seen before. China's Heilongjiang province uh, recorded temperature below zero, 63.4 Fahrenheit. That is 53 degrees minus Celsius. There were new calls for tighter gun controls after the tragic shooting at a Lunar New Year celebration in Monterey Park, California over the weekend. Authorities now say 11 people died. Uh, police say the gunman, a 72-year-old man, took his own life. Congresswoman Judy Chu says the gun laws need to be looked at right now. People can still buy guns without that check uh, if they buy them online or at a gun show or through personal sale. Meanwhile, police say the shooter tried to do the same earlier at another celebration not too far away, and Brandon Tsai was just finishing his shift when confronted by the gunman. At that moment, there were many people I was thinking about, especially when I was fighting, I was thinking about 
everybody. Real life hero. Cy managed to take the gun away and the man fled later to go to Monterey Park. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter. This is Bloomberg. The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers, and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights, and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. The time here, nine minutes past the hour. I'm Brian Curtis, along with Vonnie Quinn, and our guest is Michael Cagino, President and Portfolio Manager at Permanent Portfolio Family of Funds. Michael, great to have you on the program. Uh, We are in a position here where it seems like both the bulls and the bears can see the finish line. Uh, You can argue both sides pretty easily, depending upon unknown events uh, in the future. How do you see things developing? Yeah, good to speak with you, Brian. Yeah, I think there's uh, smart minds all over on all sides of this this discussion. Um, but, uh, you know, the interest rates, I, I think we're closer towards the end of the tightening cycle than the beginning. It's been a very volatile um, year, and we've had a very aggressive move. A lot of the impact of those rate moves have not been felt in the economy yet. We're starting to see signs of that. Yet we also are starting to, you know, be, each successive rate increase gets us closer and closer to the end where the perceived terminal rate would be. And I think we're getting there. You're starting to hear that in the public domain. 25 basis points, 50 basis points, not much longer, et cetera, et cetera. And I think the market's looking at that because the market tends to predict the future, um, is looking at, that as being the end of the tightening cycle and and either stabilizing or potentially cutting. So, Michael, where do you see the terminal rate? And does the Fed get up there and hang on, or does it get up there and immediately start decreasing rates again? Yeah, how are you, Vonnie? Um, I, uh, you know, I, I think probably it's prudent to slow down and let the impact of the rate increases, you know, work their way through the economy. Um, and I do see them probably staying roughly uh, higher for a while. Where that is, I'm not sure. It's probably somewhere in the 5% range. And I think the main reason for not being sure is that we still don't really know where inflation's going to settle. I, I don't see it going back to 2% for a while. Yeah. I think it's going to be more stable. Stubborn. Um, I do see it continuing to decline, frankly, because there isn't as much liquidity in the system. That wave has already hit, and it's receding. Um, and so you're starting to see the, the what you would expect, inflation declining across the system. But where it stops and slows down, we don't know yet. Is it 5%, 4%, 6%? I, I don't really know. The other do you think, is, Michael, we that pass- we need a recession? Do, you, do we need a recession to beat uh, inflation? And if we don't, that we're going to probably, if we avoid recession, we'll probably have inflation sticky, as you say, maybe 3 4%, and the Fed will have to stay on your back. Well, yes, um, I have a hard time. Belie- I think the soft landing story is still potentially out there. 
Um, although I think it's risky to bet on it. The, uh, the, the fact of the matter is I think it's very difficult to have a real deep recession with unemployment as low as it is. And so as long as people are working, they're spending money, and that's a big chunk of the U.S. economy. That doesn't get into geopolitical risks. It doesn't get into other issues. But it does put some kind of a, a foundation under the economy, which makes a soft landing viable. Now, is that going to happen? I mean, labor is a lagging indicator. You could all of a sudden see labor, you know, the bottom fall out and unemployment goes up very, very quickly, then that's a different issue. And that's why markets are so unpredictable. We just don't know. But, uh, but I do think that it's hard to get a deep recession with unemployment as low as it is. And, and so that would argue for the Fed to slow down and eventually stop and sit tight for a while and see what happens, but not cut. I, I think a quick cut, I don't see that happening at the moment. Michael, as regards geopolitical risks, you just mentioned them what are you telling your clients about China this year? Are you concerned at all that China might turn into one? Well, I think China's always a risk. Um, I, I don't trust the data, the data coming out of China often. I, I need to see it, you know, uh, supported by other anecdotal evidence usually. Um, but, you know, we've had this sort of one day they're opening, one day they're not, one day the economy's expanding, one day it's not. And there is always the political risk in China, given the, the very different system than what we have and the relations between the two countries. So I do think it's always a risk, and I think to the degree they're growing and everybody's getting along, that's a tailwind to global economic activity and, and a tailwind to the U.S. If not, it's a headwind, and, and I think it varies depending on the headlines, um, and that's been true of, of late here, and I think that's going to continue. Do you like gold here? Yeah, we do. Um, we do. Uh, you know, one thing that, that really hasn't gone, uh, been discussed much is that we, we have recently just passed in the last six months another $3 trillion in spending, I believe, between the Inflation Act and the, the recent budget bill. That's going to be more liquidity coming into the economy. And so one of the reasons inflation might be more stubborn or maybe might, might reduce and then, you know, uh, stagnate for a while in terms of the reduction is that you've got more liquidity coming into the economy at some level um, due to that stimulus spending. And, and we don't know the impact of that yet, uh, just like we don't know the, the ultimate impact of all the rate increases coming through. So there's a little bit of an uncertainty factor there. But, uh, but we, do, um, you know, we do see this is sort of an issue for, for 2023. As regards commodities, Michael, I know it's something you keep an eye on very closely. What are you looking for? We've already had a 15% gain since January 1st in things like gasoline and natural gas. What about agricultural commodities and more importantly, you know, metals? Yeah, and I, and I think, you know, the question on gold, we, we do like gold, um, at the precious metal aspect of it, the alternative currency, the fact that if the Fed is closer to the end than rising rates, um, you're likely to get a bouncing gold. We've seen some of that. And, uh, you know, the dollar is not going to stay as strong as it has been for the last, you know, year, year and a half. It's, it's been hitting all-time highs against other currencies and decade highs. And that's not sustainable, especially as other countries, um, you know, raise interest rates to meet our interest rates or you would get a global economic growth story. Um, and so we do like gold in the long term as a hedge against money creation, inflation, uh, uncertainty. Um, with respect to the broader commodity space, uh, I think we are in maybe a, an up, a longer-term upturn, especially if you do get growth. Um, there was underinvestment over the last 10 years or so. You had 
you know, uh, not a lot of people investing in it. A lot of those assets were consolidating. Um, people were investing in growth stocks and higher multiple type assets versus commodities. And so I think you're at the beginning of a multi-year commodity cycle that, uh, that could have some staying power, especially if you get some support from something like a China or other emerging markets or a growth story in the U.S. coming out of a recession. Michael, we touched on this a little, but just for investors uh, coming into the uh, show uh, at this time, uh, uh, your, your thoughts on earnings, whether or not earnings will come down quite significantly this year, like Mike Wilson from Morgan Stanley. That was a clip we played earlier. He believes that. Or do you think that uh, the cost cutting that we've seen and sort of the action, the, the management skills of these companies will mean that the earnings hang in there this year? And I would add one more thing. Sometimes inflation drives up the earnings numbers and the revenue numbers because of yeah. rising prices. And, and yeah. if you have, you know, the power to pass on, you know, rising costs, you, you can raise revenues and earnings by, with inflation. That's the interplay because on one hand, you have higher costs, input costs, labor costs, material costs, et cetera. Um, and, and at some point, the benefits of inflation on the revenue side get outweighed by the costs of inflation, and then the, the estimates and the earnings come down. I don't know where that is, and it's different by industry and, and by individual characteristics, but I do think there's going to be more pressure on earnings and revenues. Um, you know, I, I do think an economic slowdown of some sort is, is real at some level. I don't know whether it translates into an outright recession, but I do see some you know, economic factors maybe weakening a little bit here. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, your morning brief on the stories making news from Hong Kong to Singapore and Wall Street. Look for us on your podcast feed every day on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each day on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices, just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Brian Curtis. And I'm Doug Krisner. Join us again tomorrow for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.